NPR is doing its annual survey to better understand how listeners like you spend time with podcasts. Please help us out by completing a short anonymous survey at npr.org slash podcast survey. All one word. We would really appreciate your help to support NPR podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcast survey. It's all one word. Thanks. from the top's special episode commemorating Juneteenth. I'm Peter Dugan. And I'm Kevin Olushala. And we're opening the program with the Davidson Chorale from the Davidson Fine Arts Magnet School in Augusta, Georgia. The Davidson Chorale from the Davidson Fine Arts Magnet School in Augusta, Georgia, sang the traditional spiritual There is a Balm in Gilead, arranged by Moses Hogan. Their director is Philip Streetman. I'm pianist Peter Dugan, and for today's special Juneteenth program, my co-host is Kevin Alushala. You may know Kevin because he's the beatboxer and cellist with the Grammy Award-winning supergroup Pentatonix, but he's also a From the Top alum, and really, he's just From the Top family. So thank you, Kevin, so much for joining me for today's show. Man, it is my absolute pleasure. You know I love this family, and I'm so excited to be doing this episode with you today. 
Well, today's show commemorates the holiday Juneteenth. Now, can you remind us all what Juneteenth is? Of course. Juneteenth celebrates the emancipation of slavery in the United States. More specifically, it commemorates a declaration of emancipation in Texas by a Union Army general. While Lincoln had officially outlawed slavery two years before with the Emancipation Proclamation, it wasn't until June 19, 1865, that his proclamation was enforced in Texas. And in honor of Juneteenth, today's program features phenomenally talented black teenage musicians and music by black composers. And we'll start by meeting two members of the choir that opened the program, 19-year-old Sierra Hall and the fabulous soloist we just heard, 18-year-old Zania Billups. Zania, Sierra, it's so great to be speaking with both of you. Kevin, what what'd you, what'd you think of that performance? The way that you all did that, that was absolutely soul-stirring. What I love is that you know that you guys are coming from a completely different place when you perform. Mm -hmm. It's deep, it's palpable, and I'm so impressed. Thank you. Thank you. Now, nearly everybody knows the spiritual. Yes. But a lot of people are kind of fuzzy about where this music comes from. Sierra, can you talk about what the bomb is and the history of the music? Sure. So um, from a biblical standpoint, the balm in Gilead, which you find that in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 46, that's the biblical context of the song. And then this is one of the many songs that our ancestors would sing um, during slavery times. And this was a song of encouragement that even though we're in this place, there is something out there, a bomb out there that can heal us, that one day we'll be free from this pain. And so that's pretty much where it comes from. What it, se- what it feels like is that this is timeless music. The, the music, I, I, I talk about that. Do you feel like it's, it, the message of the music will still continuously be important? Is, do you guys feel that way? Oh, absolutely. Situations change, context changes. But the emotion stays there. The pain stays there. And so to that extent, this song is definitely timeless. Absolutely. And I I totally agree with Sierra. Now the conversation is less of it's not talking about slavery, but more in modern time. You're thinking of um, things such as racial injustice and other um, systems, including like police brutality and just in um, several American systems. Um, It's still this things are still not great, right? But we can, but there is something that can get us to where we need to be. Mm, I agree with that. Talk a little bit more about that black pain, because I read that you both really feel a connection between black music and black pain. Talk about that a little bit. Oh, wow. There's so much there. Um, Black music by us for us. This music says it's okay to feel this way. You're not the only one that feels this way. And so there is a a very deep connection between black music and black pain. Black music almost gives you permission to feel black pain. Wow. That is so unbelievably powerful when you say that. Question that I'm curious to ask, but I I just genuinely curious because I so love your the way you spoke about um, black pain in black music. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know if you would talk about the, the flip side of, and, and black joy in black music, because for me, like when I was a, a teenager, I played at a predominantly black gospel church on, uh, I played Hammond organ. And like, you know, for me, that was some of the most like ridiculous joy I've ever experienced in music making. Joy is like trying, learning that and experiencing that in your daily life. I mean, it literally is essential. That's why um, we see like in some form or fashion, almost every like factor of American music is somehow inspired by African-Americans. Right. And so, frankly, um, yeah, I mean... Joy is kind of being able to experience that, um, especially through music, is literally a survival skill. So I, I'll speak a little bit more from that from that end of things. But church, even though even when black people were having their little shack church, you know, at the end of the week on Sunday, you get your black your black joy out of the joy of the Lord is my strength. Faith is a pillar 
of the black community. Yeah. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so you get you get to church and you know the old folks used to say, leave everything outside. <laughs> leave all your stuff outside. <laughs> if you're gonna walk through these church doors, you better leave everything else behind. And <laughs> and you come in and th- there's freedom in the church. So you could go to the church and your joy is restored on Sunday. You know, you gotta go through Monday through Saturday. You gotta go through this stuff. But you can get your joy restored on Sunday. You guys, you guys make me so proud of just like the next generation of like black young people coming up. Seriously, really. Thank you so much. That means so much. I appreciate that. Zania Billups, 18, and Sierra Hall, 19, both members of the Davidson Corral from the Davidson Fine Arts Magnet School in Augusta, Georgia. For the last 15 years, from the top in the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, have awarded over $3 million in scholarships to talented young musicians who have financial need. We still have more to give. Go to fromthetop.org to learn more. Pianist Peter Dugan here, along with my co-host Kevin Alushla, and we're joined now by the next young musician on this very special Juneteenth episode. Kevin, would you please do the honors? Of course. This is the superb 18-year-old clarinetist, Najee Greenlee. Yeah. Hey, Kevin. <laughs> Peter, thanks for having me. Najee, it's so great to meet you. I know you're studying right now at Interlochen Arts Academy, but where's your home? Uh, originally, I'm from Flint, Michigan. And what music are you going to play? Um, Samuel Coleridge-Taylor's Clarinet Quintet in F-sharp minor, the second movement, Larghetto Effetuoso. Mm. Now, Samuel Coleridge Taylor was a British composer of African descent. Mm. And of course, this is a clarinet quintet, so you're joined by four other fellow music students at the Interlochen Arts Academy. Tell us who they are. Playing first violin, we have Aidan Krieger. Um, second violin is Valerie Drew Friedman. The violist is Emma Boyd. And our cello player is Gabriel Hinbury. Well, we can't wait to hear this.
the second movement, Larghetto Affettuoso, from Samuel Coleridge Taylor's Clarinet Quintet in F-sharp minor, performed by 18-year-old clarinetist Najee Greenlee, along with four of his fellow students from the Interlochen Arts Academy, violinists Aidan Krieger and Valerie Shu Friedman, violist Emma Boyd, and on cello, Gabriel Henbury. Our clarinetist Najee is joining my co-host Kevin Alushula and me right now for a little chat. Kevin, I don't know about you, but I was totally transported by that. Oh my gosh, I was so transfixed from the beginning. I mean, the way you all play this, honestly, it feels like I'm putting my child softly to sleep and thinking about all the emotions I have for this child. Truly, it was so captivating. Thank you so much for that, Kevin. Now, Najee, what's your history with this piece? Yeah, so um, my first time seeing this piece was on a college uh, repertoire list, actually. Um, of course, you know, when you're preferring excerpts, you go and you listen to the piece in its entirety, and you kind of get an idea of what the context is. And so I listened to that movement, and from the very beginning, I just fell in love with it, and I knew that I had to perform it from that moment. It's an easy piece to fall in love with. I'm telling you, the way you guys mm-hmm. played it. <laughs> Thank you. Najee, I know before you went to Interlochen, you had to move a ton. And I can't imagine how that was, given your love of music. But I guess you must have had a lot of family support. Yeah, definitely. Um, of course, the person that first comes to mind is my mom. Growing up, she worked a lot um, There was a long stretch of time where she was working third shift. And then after that, um, there was this period of time in eighth grade where she was a bus driver. And that job, the time requirements for that were unbelievable. Um, We had to wake up early in the morning and we were at the bus lot by six o'clock. And then we got home at six o'clock. And so it would be me, my sister, and then my mom all, you know, getting ready in the morning. And then by the time I would get home, there really wasn't much time for anything. But my mom working to provide me or to put me in an environment where my love for music was nurtured was really valuable looking back. There's this community music school, the Flint School of Performing Arts, and that's where I met my first teacher. And... um We played some standard, like, uh, wind ensemble repertoire, uh, Holst, Granger, pieces like that. And I remember being in there and just seeing how happy everyone was and how happy my band director was to be doing her job that I knew that I wanted to be involved in it in some way, either performing or teaching. And that set me out on a journey to just improve. Despite these setbacks you've had, you strike me as someone so filled with creativity and energy and ambition. Oh, thank you. Najee, as you know, today we're commemorating Juneteenth. And for some, this is a holiday filled with tradition. But for others, it's just now emerging into the public eye. Growing up, did you hear much about the holiday? No, I, I really haven't heard much about it until recently. Um, I do have family members from the South, and I've heard that in the South, it does get a bit more attention. But here in Michigan, I really haven't heard much about it. And I think part of the reason for that is that it's, in some people's eyes, it can be a bit of a, an uncomfortable subject to discuss. But I think it's important that we kind of press into that discomfort and really get down to figuring out why it makes us uncomfortable. Tying this back to classical music, when we present these works by people of color, that can encourage us to look further back into history and maybe ask ourselves, like, oh, you know, why weren't their works given light back then? And why did it take so long for, you know, a lot of this great music to um, make its way into standard repertoire? There's so much amazing work by black, indigenous people of color, and it's their perspective. It's not the the maybe standard traditional perspective that we continuously hear. So I think that education is going to be so necessary moving forward as we have these conversations within the classical world. Yeah, definitely. And Najee, the way you play is so captivating. I'm so excited for people to hear your work going forward. Najee Greenlee, 18 years old from Flint, Michigan, and Najee is one of our Jack Kent Cook young artists. I'm pianist Peter Dugan here with my co-host, the fantastic cellist, songwriter, and beatboxer with the band Pentatonix, Kevin Alushula. Thanks, Peter. 
And if you're just joining us, From the Top is commemorating the holiday Juneteenth today by celebrating young black musicians and their perspectives on music and the world around them. And we've got new music coming up next. Yes, we do. We're going to hear an exciting new work by the 15-year-old composer Abunalua Oguntola. She's from Fayetteville, New York, just outside of Syracuse. This is her composition titled The Dimensions, and I had the great privilege of performing it along with two of the best violinists I know. They're both from the top alums, Charles Yang and Dory Na.
You just heard excerpts from The Dimensions, composed by Abunalua Oguntola and performed by violinists Dori Na and Charles Yang, along with yours truly at the piano. Our 15-year-old composer, Abun, is right here with me and my co-host for today's Juneteenth episode, Kevin Alushala. What'd you think, Kevin? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm literally so impressed by the range of emotion in this piece. I mean, the beginning feels very dream dream state-like, and then you have mm-hmm. this haunting D minor section, and at times it feels like a Hungarian folk tune, and the ending is just to die for. I love playing this piece, and I thought the colors you drew from those two violins, especially at the end with those harmonics, that's just oh, so God. unique, right? So it's just good. such a cool sound. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're clearly a sophisticated composer and musician at this young age. What brought you into this world of music and composition? Yeah, well, actually, I started music at a very, very young age. When I was about three, I picked up the violin and the piano. And um, my brothers uh, were very musically involved. My oldest brother is a jazz clarinetist and saxophonist. And he's actually uh, one of the people who inspired me and kind of gave me a a brief look on what it would be like to be a composer. And so my parents, they decided to get me a teacher so that I could uh, go further in my experience with music. Well, speaking of family, you and Kevin definitely share a lot there. Oh my gosh, I'm just listening to you speak and we have so many similarities. Can you first tell us a little bit about your parents? Yeah, um, so both of my parents are Nigerian. Uh, they were they grew up in Nigeria and then they came over to America um, to pursue their career. Um, the culture is a huge part of who I am. Uh, I have Nigerian clothing, I eat Nigerian food, um, listen to Nigerian music. So uh, I, I am first generation, uh, which uh, is really cool. And I'm just so thankful that, you know, my parents were able to provide me with an amazing culture uh, growing up. Oh, my gosh. Your story resonates with me so much because my dad is also from Nigeria. So I eat the jollof rice. I yes. eat the agusi soup. I eat the same things like you eat. But and you said something really powerful about your parents. You said they're the true image of the American dream. I love that. But explain what you mean. Yeah, they pretty much, I would say, they didn't grow up from complete nothing, but they grew up from a place where there wasn't as much opportunity. And at that time, a lot of people want to go to America because they see places where they can truly grow and do amazing things. My parents came over to America without knowing anybody, without having anything. They didn't even have a car. They had to walk to work. And um, they, they grew from that experience to you know, having major careers and being able to provide for me and my family and being able to, you know, make me a stronger woman, a wiser woman and allow me to follow my dreams. It's just amazing to hear about how your parents really did everything that they could to to give you the opportunity to the best that to be the best that you could be. And boom, before yeah. we go, what do you imagine to be in store for your future as a young black woman composer? How do you envision yourself in the music world? What I want to do is make music more accessible, allow kids to have more exposure to it. As a composer, I want to experiment with like breaking barriers and like creating new types of music that haven't been made before. Like I know, I, I know you um, actually played the cello, uh, Bach cello suite, and beatbox on top of that. Like I found that so cool, and uh, I kind of oh, want to do you. something like that where I just mix things together and see what I can make. It's so exciting to hear your story. It's so exciting to hear from you, my Nigerian sister. Thank you so much for sharing your love and light with From the Top. Abunalua Oguntola, 15 years old, from Fayetteville, New York. Nine out of ten young musicians recommend watching Daily Joy videos every day to significantly improve the quality of one's life. These Daily Joy videos feature beautiful music performances by young artists, and you can sign up for the fun at fromthetop.org. NPR is doing its annual survey to better understand how listeners like you spend time with podcasts. Please help us out by completing a short anonymous survey at npr.org slash podcast survey. All one word. We would really appreciate your help to support NPR podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcast survey. It's all one word. Thanks.
Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Boston. The journey begins at visitma.com. From the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need, jkcf.org. And from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. From NPR, it's From the Top, celebrating the power of music in the hands of America's kids. This week, we're commemorating the holiday Juneteenth with a program that features outstanding young black musicians performing music by black composers. Coming up, today's co-host Kevin Alushala collaborates with two From the Top alumni to perform a special arrangement of A Change is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke. Pianist Peter Dugan from The Top's host is sponsored by Susan and Gerald Slavitt. Kevin, witnessing you connect with all our young performers on today's show has certainly been educational for me, but also it's just been really moving, and I've so enjoyed it. Thank you for being here. Man, it's my honor, and I'm also honored that you, Peter, are now going to play. What are we going to get to enjoy? Well, I'm going to perform now A Child is Born, a beautiful standard written by the great Thad Jones, trumpeter, band leader, composer. So I'm just going to sit down and improvise a little bit on this great tune. Thank you. 
Our host, Peter Dugan, performed A Child is Born by Thad Jones. Thank you, Joanne. This is Peter Dugan, along with my co-host for today's Juneteenth special, Kevin Alushula. And Kevin, now we're going to attend a supper together? (laughs) Yeah, in an audio sort of way. We're going to attend a supper at the home of our next young musician. She's a 12-year-old cellist from Los Altos, California. Her name is Emma Spence, and she comes from a family of young musicians. Both her sisters and her mom play. And as we got to know Emma, talking about Juneteenth with her and discussing her experiences as a black classical musician, we learned about a special ritual her family does at supper time. They'll be sitting down to eat and mom will pose a deep topic for discussion. And then they will all share their true feelings. Anything goes. We recorded this particular meal and discussion a couple of weeks ago. The whole family is there, but Emma and her mom are the central voices you'll hear discussing Juneteenth and music. All right. Well, please, guys, let's eat. Have some, take some food. Yep. Don't hesitate. Whatever's in front of you. Is this the coconut rice? Yes, it is. Oh, that's my favorite rice. Rebecca's really going off with that. That's my favorite rice. Oh, good, good. I heard you doing a lot of practice today, so I'm really excited about this piece you're playing. How do you think it's going? Well, it's it's going well. Obviously, like smoothing over all the all the bumps, you know, that you have to do. Um, But the piece is really a lot of fun. I mean, it's really beautiful. I think it's really exciting um, that you're going to be playing in a Juneteenth episode. I think that's really fantastic. Um, How do you feel about specifically the music that you're playing? I mean, obviously, it's a great honor to be able to play on from the top, like in the first place. Um, Mm -hmm. But obviously, it means like even a little more being able to play on a Juneteenth episode. Hey, wait a minute. Um, Yes, Juneteenth episode, but... Um, what is Juneteenth? Do you guys even know? <laughs> yeah. I'm asking because um, you want to know what? When I was a kid, we didn't know what Juneteenth was. We did not talk about Juneteenth. So I, I actually want to know. Do you guys know what well, Juneteenth is? Emma? I kind of what? heard a little bit about it, but I don't know like exactly what it is. What is it? Yeah, I think I, I actually heard about it a little bit um, quite recently. I, obviously, in light of recent events with um, like Black Lives Matter and with a lot more activism and a lot more people caring about Black voices, um, I've like learned a lot more and I I un- I understand what Juneteenth is. Okay, well, tell us. <laughs> so, so Juneteenth. Us. <laughs> Juneteenth is like the uh, I guess the commemoration of the freedom of slaves um, in in Texas. So the last slaves in Texas were freed on June 19th of 1965. Wait, but why only in Texas? 1865. Were they all? 1865. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, no, 1865. Even though, um, like, Juneteenth was, like, the free, fr- like, the, I guess, the official, like, freedom of the slaves, um, that's when, like, I guess national deputies came in and were like, hey, Texans, you guys can't have slaves. Like, it, some slave owners would, like, withhold that information from their slaves until after harvest season. So, like, some slaves would have to, like, sit, sit like, I guess, work, and they, they wouldn't know that slavery was abolished. Well, you, you have to imagine, Emma, um, African-Americans at that time couldn't read. Yeah, yeah. So they couldn't read the decree and see that they were free. They had to be told. Because I've heard these terrible stories about, like, um, about slave owners who kind of kept plantations going. But I have to say, I mean, all three of you play or sing classical music, and... Uh, for the most part, the music that you sing and play is dominated by white European males. So, um, you know, how does it feel? What does it mean to you to have to play and sing this music? Do you feel like you can understand it, that you're a part of it? Do you feel included? I, I feel like a lot of it, obviously, like uh, classical music is obviously up to interpretation. 
So a lot of what you play is from your own experience, and I don't think it necessarily matters about the composer, but I do think that when the composer has been through things that you may understand better, it's easier to see what maybe they would have, what maybe they were thinking, or to relate to the composer a little bit easier. So obviously, I, I don't think that it hinders me in any way to be playing a piece by Algar, but it's definitely, it definitely is a lot uh, more representative of like, of like me being black, like certain things that I, I don't feel like it's very easy for me to find a piece where I'm like describing, I don't know, more about how I feel and more, I, I don't, I don't know, maybe, 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 um, and maybe it has something to do with uh, her um, being somebody I can relate to. Because Florence Price, I just felt like the piece um, was really was really easy for me to uh, interpret. In addition to that, what makes music so special to me is that each person who plays music brings their own story to that music. Yeah. I think if people understand that everyone has a chance to bring something to the table, LGBTQ people have something to bring to the table and disabled people have something to bring to the table and we should be embracing that. So yeah. I think it's really, really an important point. Well, we now get to hear what Emma brings to the musical table. Here she is performing Adoration by Florence Price. Jerome Lank is at the piano. You heard Adoration by Florence Price, performed beautifully by the 12-year-old cellist Emma Spence from Los Altos, California. Jerome Lenk was at the piano. This is Peter Dugan along with my co-host today, Kevin Alushala. And Kevin, at last we get to hear you perform, my friend, on the cello. <laughs> you, chose, you chose this classic piece to have arranged for our Juneteenth program. What is it? Me and a couple of friends are going to be playing A Change Is Going to Come by Sam Cooke, arranged by a good, good friend of mine, Matt Jones. Well, we have two incredible alums of From the Top who are going to collaborate with you. It's violinist Hannah White and pianist Clifton Williams. You guys all had a great talk before you kicked into the music. Hannah, Clifton, 
I'm so excited we get the opportunity to make some music together. Now, before we play, I was wondering if we could chat a little bit about your lives since the last time appearing on From the Top. Where have your creative and musical journeys taken you? Anna, you want to start? Yeah. Um, so when I played on From the Top before, I think I was about 14 years old in Chautauqua, New York. Wow. Yeah. And so since then, I've obviously <laughs> gone to college and I study at the Coburn Conservatory with Robert Lipset. Um, I've been doing a lot of solo performances, a lot through Sphinx, the Sphinx organization. Um, for those of you who don't know, that's like an organization that helps um, showcase blacks and Latinos in the classical world. And recently I've played with the Dallas Symphony Orchestra, um, San Francisco Chamber Orchestra. I've been doing a lot of solo work since then. Oh, well, what about you, Clifton? Oh man, since from the top, I think it's been almost what 11, 12 years since. Oh I've wow! Been on the show. Yeah, I'm sh sitting trying to count. Like, oh my goodness! Like, <laughs> am I that old? <laughs> but man, look. man, I'm working on baby number two, so <laughs> I I am officially that old. So, uh, okay, so I I was on from the top. I was a Jack Kent um, Cook scholar. It was an amazing experience. Um, I, I used that scholarship money to go to Berkeley uh, School of Music. And then right after Berkeley graduated, went came here straight to L.A. And since then, I've been touring with different R&B artists like Let Us See. Uh, uh, right now, I'm currently the music director for Babyface, Kenny Babyface Ooh, Edmonds. So, come on, man. Yeah, man. Just, you know, and um, doing doing the L.A gigging scene <laughs> dude that's incredible i'm just so unbelievably like proud of you guys and excited for the journeys that you guys have had hannah what are we going to be playing today so we're going to play a change is going to come by sam cook arranged by matt jones amazing well let's take it from the top Thank you. 
Today's special Juneteenth episode of From the Top is written and produced by David Norville, along with Tim Banker. Post-production, mastering, and editing by senior producer Tom Vagley. Our music director is Megan Swan, and the production manager is Matt Dykeman. Sound design and editing by John Escobar. Special thanks to the sound engineers who ran our remote recordings today. Michael Culler at Interlochen Public Radio in Interlochen, Michigan. Aaron Ross at Yamaha Artist Services, New York. Tom Disher at Disher Music and Sound in San Francisco, and Eric Liljestrand at the Village Recording Studios in Los Angeles. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen, and I'm Joanne Robinson. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts, on the web at arts.gov. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Senior Helpers, providing families with personalized in-home care for seniors and those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, and Parkinson's, committed to helping loved ones remain safe and independent at home, at SeniorHelpers.com. And from the Doris Duke Charitable Foundation, which aims to support the well-being of people and the planet for a more creative, equitable, and sustainable future. And from listeners like you who donate to this NPR station. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org.